0: time again to bring you another edition of the driving you crazy podcast i'm the traffic anchor for denver 7 news in denver colorado my name is mr traffic guy jason i'm joseph i'm I'm
1: the pedestrian advocate so to speak Uh, i was very pleased to see last night we ran a piece on the dispute on the cherry creek trail between pedestrians and bicyclists the same dispute that's been going on for at least five years Per my research, you may know that it's gone back further than that. Uh, cyclists are rude, as we talked about on this podcast. No. And that's all I'm going to say about that.
0: Yes, it's it's been an ongoing issue since they built the Cherry Creek Bike Path. That the bikers want to go fast and weave in and out of people who like to walk and or run and not get run over by people on bikes.
1: So in 2012, we were told by the city of Denver that the solution was for bicyclists to calmly announce when they're coming, right? That does not happen, No, first and foremost. But in 2017, we've devolved into, well, the road's not wide enough. It's not wide enough for you to proceed without courtesy, let's say.
0: It's usually this, on your right. That's usually the, I'm about to run you over, and it's right there as the biker is on your tail. Look, I'm fine with that. I, it's
1: the ones who don't say anything and then just go whizzing past you at 20 miles an hour that like too. super close to you yeah. too it's it's disrespectful
0: well of course it is May- well here we go we have now uh, the need for walking only lanes bike only lanes and driving only lanes and bus only lanes and electric car only lanes and flying car only lanes and uber lift only lanes and uh, what else other lanes? Uh, super I think you c- got all of it. sports car only lanes.
1: Motorcycle only Motorcycle lanes. Motorcycle only lanes. Yep, absolutely. That's- Motorcycles with sidecar only lanes as if well. If we were in
0: Florida, we could add old guys on a scooter only lanes.
1: Oh, we should golf have,
0: cart only lanes. We
1: should have way more. Uh, what was it? Rascal scooter lanes. Yes, Ra- there should be Rascal race tracks too. <laughs> for what it's worth, let's see how fast we can get those bad boys going.
0: Uh, it was sometime in uh, October. I posted this video when I was in Florida. This one time outside of a public supermarket, this guy on a little Rascal scooter driving right there in the parking lot like he was a car. I love it. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Only in Florida. If if it can go 30 miles an hour, put it on the road. That's all I'm saying. By the way, I want to make sure that you don't hate me because I'm driving now a rental car with New Jersey license plates. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's funny? New Jersey has gotten such a bad
1: rap over the last 20, 30, 40, 70, 80, 90 years. Uh, I feel like they've (laughs) turned it around. I feel no, like I, I now am sympathetic so. to New Jersey.
0: No, you know what? Because honestly, I am driving this car. I finally it dropped off my car to get it fixed after it was hit in the parking lot about a month ago. So I have this rental car with the New Jersey plates, and I'm telling you, I am now a little freaked out with all the looks that I get <laughs> from everybody here with these with these New Jersey. Any almost any I would have taken Utah, Idaho. Arizona, anywhere, except New Jersey, I think, was one of my least favorite plates I could have had.
1: I think it's very easy to stereotype people from New Jersey. It's just too easy.
0: This guy, uh, John Gorka, who, uh, you know, folk singer, he has a great song called I'm From New Jersey. Uh, look that up. It's actually a good one. <laughs>
1: That's unfortunate.
0: Yeah. So the bumper, by the way, it's going to cost $1,400 to replace this thing. 1400 bucks. Most of the cost is in the labor, not actually the parts. Because they had to get a, a a bumper from some you know jack okay. ball down here, and then they send it to this guy right to go put it on the. It's like I don't know three or four hundred bucks, but then they do the labor charge. The labor it's like fifty dollars an hour, and it's going to yep. cost six and a half hours for the, now. Of course, I'm not paying for every, anything. You know, the 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 ladies insurance company is paying for everything. Right, but still. It's how do they know exactly it's going to take six and a half hours to get it fixed?
1: Well, that's an estimate. It'll actually take eight hours to get it fixed. It'll
0: probably take four hours, and then they're collecting the extra two hundred or you know the extra two hours in uh, in take home pay, right? And then here's the thing: the insur- everything. It's it's a it's a little bit like a racket almost. Okay. So I go into the I go into the shop, and they have right there in the shop. The insurance company, they got an office right there. The um, rental car people, they have an office right there. Obviously, the shop people, they have offices. So everything is like a one-stop shop, which does make it convenient for me. Right. However, it seems like it's a bit of a, I scratch your back, you're scratching my back, we're scratching their back, everybody's getting, you know... I mean, not quite, not quite Matt Lauer-esque, but we're get, you know, we're getting a little bit comfortable here with each other.
1: Well, I think you certainly, if you're an auto body shop and there's a rental shop within the same building as you, you are recommending to your customers, "Hey, go ahead and drop that car off right. overnight. We got a rental right here for you."
0: Exactly. You don't really have a whole lot of competition, and they've already made it so you are going to take this re- this insurance company, yep. and you're already going to take this rental car company. You really don't have a chance to shop around. Mm-hmm you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. i mean but it was and because i'm not paying for it it is convenient i guess it's still a pain in the butt because some lady hit me and now i have to deal with getting you know turning my car into the whole thing right they say it should be done by the end of the week i I just
1: isn't it just so unfortunate that as a driver it's very easy for other people to ruin your day and make your life more difficult
0: yeah I mean, really, I sh- here's the thing. There's other people dealing with real issues in the, in, in the world, and I'm, I'm whining that that I've rented a, a maroon Kia Sorrento with New Jersey plates. Mm-hmm. That's that's what's the worst thing going on in my life.
1: Are you sure people aren't staring at you because it's a
0: Kia and not because of the New Jersey plates? <laughs> no, I, well, it might be a double dose there of ugliness go. right there. I mean, people are having their houses burned down in California, and and, and I'm complaining about having New Jersey license plates. And it's maroon, man. And yeah, it's there's maroon. a lot wrong with that car. Oh, there is. You know, and it never. They always just smell. You never get a rental car that smells good. That's true. And this one's got thirty four thousand miles on it, so you know it's been around a while. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, during the golden holiday weekend in China, expressways across uh, China were clogged as hundreds of millions of Chinese people went on vacation. Well, one woman was stuck in one of those hellish traffic jams, and she had to go through go to the bathroom so badly. Apparently, that she thought to herself, "I just can't wait anymore." Mm-hmm. So he- here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to I'm going to leave my car parked in traffic, going to get under my car, run to the side of the highway to answer the call of nature. Mm-hmm. So that's what she did. Well, when she returned, her vehicle was now nowhere to be found. Expressway police helped the woman who had left her cell phone in her car, driving her to a service station where she could then call her family to get a ride home. I have many unanswered questions here. Joseph. (laughs) Go on. I'll be happy to try to answer them for you. First, I want to know, if none of the drivers could go anywhere, how could the thief make a getaway in her stolen car?
1: That is a very good question. That is, that is a question that is worth answering. I don't have an answer for you that makes any sense. So, uh,
0: How random is it there was someone who was criminally minded nearby that took advantage of this woman who, who must have seen her, had to go to the woods at that one moment in time and then was able to steal her car while she was in the woods?
1: Uh, that's a coincidence.
0: I mean, the odds are pretty high, I would think, right? You got
1: to go with coincidence, right? There's no other explanation for it.
0: The odds maybe are not as high as winning the Powerball, but I'm I'm guessing they're up there. Mm -hmm. I guess the lesson here is if you find yourself in holiday traffic in China and you need to go to the bathroom and 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 when you leave your car for for the bushes, bring your keys. Right.
1: Or never go to the bathroom. You you well, can you're take to go pick. in your seat. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was that astronaut lady from a few years back that drove oh, seven hundred miles with the diapers. He yeah, had a killer uh, ex-lover.
0: What we used to have in our car when the, when the girls were, were smaller after they they were potty trained, we had a uh, little. It was this little plastic potty seat, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you would put the uh, you lift the little seat up and you put a like one of those gallon size uh, bags there okay. over it and you close the seat so it hold it down and off they go. Perfect. Real easy. Now, for a guy like me, I think I'd need a bigger bag. Easier for a guy than a woman to uh, (laughs) accomplish that task. That's true. Maybe this is the idea right here. All right, people, here you go. Here's Here's your driving you crazy podcast idea of the week. Combine, somehow, a toilet seat in the seat, the driver's seat of the car or maybe all the seats of the car, connected to a series of tubes that go under the car, and they just drain to the street, and there you go. You can just cro- go drive cross-country and never stop. Thank you very much.
1: I think you just, you just set up a scenario in which the people of America are covering our streets with feces and urine. Um, I
0: didn't think about that. But. I don't know if I support that. <laughs> anyway.
1: Um, but if it was a guy that had stopped his car and went to use the bathroom on the side of the road, the car wouldn't have been stolen because it wouldn't have taken that long.
0: <laughs> just saying. Okay. All right. I'm well, just saying. All right. One eye-popping intersection in northwest Iceland is getting a lot of attention because the new pedestrian crossing lane there looks like it's levitating a few inches from the pavement. Okay. I have pictures of it in, on my Facebook page, uh, Jason Luber, traffic guy. Uh, It was inspired by similar floating pedestrian crossings in India because speed bumps apparently have been getting a lot of flack after that study in the UK that uh, they cause a lot of air pollution and vehicle damage. We've talked about speed bumps in the past. Not a big fan. Uh, The pavement marking company says creating the effect was fairly straightforward. They used wooden floor planks, a small handheld paint gun, and chalk to make these lines on the pavement, and then sorted out the right angles to create the illusion. Have you ever seen those soccer matches in the UK or in other parts of the world where they actually have like these 3D graphics painted onto the field, or oh, sorry, onto the pitch, uh, and it looks like these? It looks like they're 3D. Like These things are standing up while while these guys are running over. it. It's pretty neat.
1: Yes, the uh, Toronto Raptors for a couple of years had a basketball court design that was the same way. They had their logo on what appeared to be like a placard behind either backboard. It was very jarring, actually, the first couple of times you see it, because you do think that it's a three-dimensional object just sitting in the field of play.
0: And they say people are now driving differently over this crossing, even if they're eventually getting used to seeing the 3D effect. So in that way, I guess it's a success. More floating crosswalks are planned for the town, best known for its fishing industry and dramatic fjords. <laughs> Believe that's how it's pronounced, fjords. Uh, I think you nailed
1: it. Um, I would love to see this here in America. I think yeah, I think too. a city could really get a lot of attention for becoming the first city to install floating sidewalks like this, and it wouldn't even be an installation, right? It's just no. a repainting yeah, process. Yeah, it's just
0: a repainting, and you just do it in a uh, in a 3D way with the right angles, and, and boom, it's done. I
1: vote that Denver does this on Colfax. If they're oh. going to paint hideous designs into the crosswalks, you may as well make them levitate,
0: too. I will call the new uh, director of public works directly. And if he takes my call, then i <laughs> let him let him know our idea. Just name dropping. No yeah. big deal. Uh, last week, we talked about some of the most expensive cars in the world, and all of them are very, very fast, but most of us don't own a supercar whose speedometer maxes out around 300 miles an hour. Chances are the minivan or the sedan in our driveway or the uh, maroon Kia in the parking lot still has a speedometer that goes to maybe 140 or 160. But even if you floor that family roadster, you're unlikely to top out much more than 100, leaving the whole swath of unused real estate there on your speedometer. So from a design perspective, this makes little sense. Why bother making a a gauge that doesn't accurately reflect the car's true capabilities? Turns out the answer is slightly more complicated, Joseph. Speedometers are made to fit a range of cars. Logistically, automakers can't make a new gauge for every car, so in an effort to streamline the process... Of making speedometers, many car makers use the same gauge for their mid-performance vehicles and for their higher-end models. So this practice also reflects the manufacturer's need to sell internationally. So cars that travel mostly on roads without speed limits, let's say the Autobahn or Montana, uh, they need some extra room on the dash if the car's performance will match the road the car travels on most. So some manufacturers still have vested interest in appealing to people's need also for the speed they like to drive. And higher gauges make dull cars seem sporty. Regulatory agencies have also tried to redesign speedometers over the years, but mostly to no avail. Now, there are other benefits and drawbacks to the higher speed limit speedometers. There does seem to be a psychological effect of having a speedometer far exceed the normal driving habits of most drivers. So if the gauge topped out at, let's say, 80, highway driving would push the needle all the way to the edge which would induce some degree of concern, you would think. But if it tops out at, let's say, 140 or 160, the line would stay mostly vertical on the gauge. It would seem further from the car's peak performance and therefore safer. Of course, if those numbers are so high that drivers start believing they can handle high speeds, they may drive more recklessly. Suddenly, a used Honda Civic starts to look a bit more like a Bugatti if your speedometer goes up to, let's say, 220.
1: It's true. I mean, I think the biggest problem is that you never get enough stretch of road to really get that Honda Civic all the way up to 140. Or downhill.
0: Straight downhill to get that Honda Civic going.
1: But if you get me going in a straight line for long enough, I guarantee you I can get a Honda (laughs) Civic to 140 miles an hour. In
0: 1974, President Nixon created a national speed limit of 55. In older cars, you still see that red line. I used to have one right there at, at 55 just for that reason. In 1979, the head of the National Highway Safety Administration enacted a rule prohibiting gauges from going above 85, but President Reagan overturned that rule two years later, and manufacturers quickly got back to making higher speeds. That's a fascinating documentary right there. Why in the world would you do that? Why, why would you top our gauges out at 80? Well, maybe do you so. know why? No, probably to say that you can't go high, faster than 80. Because back then in the 70s, it, you know the gasoline deal was a big that's why they lowered the the speed limit to 55 to conserve uh-huh. gasoline and to make the roads quote unquote safer but you know as 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 technology as roads have uh, been engineered better as cars have been engineered better tires are better so it's safer to drive these cars now than those cars in the past.
1: I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about a 2017 car in 1979 terms, but at the same time, like, cars go 100 miles an hour. Like We can't dance around that and act like they don't, and people need to know if they're going that fast.
0: There's no way I would have driven my 1975 Plymouth Fury 100 miles an hour. That was my first car. Where are your the guts, Jason? The 1975 Plymouth Fury. Now it had like a 318 engine in there, so there were these times that I'd go uphill and a cur and a right turn and it has that positive traction, you know, where one tire will spin and the other one won't, so you hit the gas and you goes and you start laying out the smoke from the one tire. <laughs> it was great. But, man, you get that thing over 80, and the whole car is shaking. It's kind of a nice feeling, though. I I was a big beater's guy in
1: my life, too, and you you feel that car start to rumble a little bit when you get above 90, and you know that you got power underneath you. A
0: little bit scary. Well, coming up, the new subscription car service and some of the best apps you might want to download before your next road trip. All that and more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Mitch Jeldecker, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber.
1: My favorite person to work with on the morning show. I mean, I like every... You can't do that to me. I just did. I like everybody for different reasons. I have to say that... Lisa and I have definitely formed a really fun bond. Of course you know anything with Lisa is highly entertaining. Uh, If you've ever ridden with her in a car it's slightly terrifying. I think the first time I went to Core Power with her she was telling me how she had gotten in an accident and then coincidentally as she was parking she got in another accident (laughs) as we were outside of Core Power. So um, we have gotten to know each other really well and definitely formed a
0: great friendship.
1: Molly Hendrickson only on Denver 7.
0: number one reason why you should watch Denver 7 Mornings is, well, for me. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. For everybody. I mean, this team is awesome. And we we love each other. Jason's sitting here in the audio booth looking at me right now. I really, I love this guy. He's like a big brother. Uh, And now we've got Molly on the team. And man, that girl kills me. I think she might be my sister from another mother. She's very fun, and Mitch is just, well, Mitch is Mitch. His hair is perfect, he's perfect, and he kind of looks like Clark Kent. That's a reason to watch.
1: Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7.
0: Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. He's Denver 7 Holiday driving advocate Joseph Peters. I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Lubert. Whoa, like whoa, that? whoa, whoa, whoa. Who said I'm a holiday driving advocate? I did. I am flying for the holidays. Oh, you are? Yeah. Well, I'll see, be... we're featuring holiday music here this month, and so I think that it's apropos. Yeah, I agree. I'm a holiday flying advocate, Joseph Peters.
1: I certainly don't want to get stuck at Denver International Airport or get stuck without my bags this year, but I have a feeling one of those two is going to happen. Where are you flying to? Uh, Connecticut, Hartford. Nice. And when are you flying away? Uh, Christmas Eve, bright and early. So we're going to hop on the A-Line to the train at 3.30 in the morning, which I assume is prime time to get mugged. (laughs) I don't know that for a fact. I'm just guessing.
0: Well, let us know how that goes. I will be happy to do that. Here is what the world needs. Uh, It it could be a commuter's perfect Christmas gift, a travel mug that they say will reduce distracted driving. I don't buy it. well, Well, you might buy it. Some company has come up with just a thing, and they call it the Side Sip. The problem with your coffee tumbler right now is that you can't see the road when you're drinking out of it, right? You tip your head back. The mug blocks your view. You get temporarily blinded for a few seconds when you're, when you're drinking your coffee, especially when you get to the last drops. Well, this new coffee mug, it's called the Side Sip. It was launched on Kickstarter, and what's so special about it is it allows the drivers to continue to see the road while you drink because you're drinking from this thing to the side, there's like this little, I don't know. It's like an attachment that sticks out from the side a bit, and that's where you're drinking from. And so when you when you drink, you can still see the road because the tumbler is not in front of your eyes. Like imagine your Dunk, Dunkin' Donuts drink over here, and instead of the straw being right in the center, it's more over to the side. So you can so you go like this, like that. Well, you know you can't see this because this is a, this is radio. But um, <laughs> but exactly just imagine, like this. just imagine that you see. Are you seeing? Uh,
1: l- listen, no. man. All I'm saying is straws. Right? We <laughs> invented straws. We have a perfectly
0: good solution to this problem. But straws are killing the world. They're killing the oceans. Allegedly. Allegedly, they're killing the oceans. So is global warming. Allegedly. It. It. So this thing costs 26 bucks. A little expensive for a tumbler. Well, the tumblers are pretty expensive anyway. I think they're way overpriced of what they they really give you. Completely agree. Uh, it, you know, it's neat, but I don't think it's the end of distracted
1: driving. I thought it was going to be a, a coffee mug that also like reads your text
0: messages to you, because that no. might cut down on distracted driving. I posted it on my Facebook page if you want to see how it works. Interesting. There okay. So Volvo, they came out with this uh, new subscription service that gives customers access to cars for a monthly fee. Now, Volvo subscription service will allow customers to have their new XC40 SUV for $600 a month. Cadillac launched a subscription service that has their customers paying 1500 bucks a flat monthly fee to drive whatever vehicle they want for the month. And drivers can change vehicles each month to meet their needs if they want. But that's pretty expensive. But this Volvo thing is way more affordable. And this plan from Volvo, they say, is to make having a car as easy as having a cell phone. Now, in their view, this means customers can choose a car online and make one inclusive monthly payment that covers the insurance the service, and maintenance of the vehicle. It even includes the allowances for wheel and tire damage, windshield wipers, all that stuff, not to mention the wear and tear items uh, uh, like the brakes, right? Okay. Okay. So this program terms includes a 24-month duration, 15,000 miles per year, which is higher than typical leases, which are about 12,000 miles. But that's still
1: only what, like 1,200, 1,250 miles a month?
0: Well, it's about, yeah, so it's... About yeah. that, because I I had a lease of fifteen thousand miles, and that was a, that was good for me. I'm at a twelve thousand mile a lease now, and it's a little bit low.
1: I was going to say a twelve thousand mile lease seems impossible to me as somebody who doesn't drive very often. It just seems like that's is. very it's, tough to keep it, it is under. low.
0: And, and and just like with uh, some of your mobile phone agreements, uh, customers will be given an option to change vehicles and sign a new twenty four month term after the first year. So there's no down payment. And that $600 is exclusive of the tax and registration, they say. And here in Colorado, that a registration for a new Volvo, I-, I would think, would cost 800 bucks. But I don't know how they can give you a car and make you register it in your name, and then you give it back to them and get a new car. I guess that's...
1: Well, I guess they're making you hang on to the car for 24 months or like 12 months, and then you trade it in, right? right. It's not like I can say I want a Volvo sedan for the next two weeks and then i want an suv for a couple of nights well
0: that's that's why i think the cadillac one the option is so much more expensive because they're covering all that
1: i'm telling you that cadillac one sounds great it's the price tag that's the problem this volvo one sounds like a scam sorry volvo
0: so care this they call it care by volvo it features 24 7 customer care and concierge services including roadside assistance subscription customers will be covered under a premium personal insurance policy by liberty mutual a $500 deductible applies to both comprehensive and collision coverage, and the company management says it no longer is, is important to people to own their own cars, but it, they, it is important to them to have a hassle-free experience. It's a hassle to negotiate, you know, to think, you know, the actual price of a car, but, th- th- but then there's something you forgot when you're when you're trying to buy it, like the like the tires or the insurance or the down payment, all that stuff. Right. It's already negotiated here, which is very convenient. And to the question that everybody pays the same price, even though insurance costs are dramatically different in certain parts of the country and even between drivers of different ages and driving behavior, the company says that one price feature makes this program attractive, especially for younger people in bigger cities, because you are typically penalized with insurance payments. They say it is independent of those of you who are or where you will live and, uh, and all you pay is, is for fuel, basically, once you get rolling. I'm.
1: I'm more intrigued by this the more we talk about it, but at the same time, it's it's a lease,
0: well, kind of, because it, no, in a, in a traditional lease, I'm I'm paying for the insurance, I'm paying for the gas, wear and tear. So when I want to turn in the car, uh-huh. I'm going to be dinged for the tires, and if there's any, um, let's say a cracked windshield or something like that, I'll be dinged for all that stuff. But they're going to
1: ding you for that here too, right? I mean, no, you got a five hundred dollars All the deductible. insurance is
0: covered. It's already their car. It's their car, and they're covering all the wear and tear on the car. All all I'm paying for is the registration and the gas, which makes it a huge game-changer over a lease, even though it is a little bit more expensive. Now, I wonder about what Volvo would do also with all the cars they get back from this program. The company says they want to keep their cars in the family, calling it a, quote, value chain. (laughs) Volvo says some dealers have been suspicious when they talk about the program. They said in an interview that the dealers need to, quote, Accept and understand this partnership, unquote. (laughs) What? Uh, But they said that they cannot build up a big used car stock after 24 months or else there will be a push on residual values. They say it will take care of the residual values, and part of that will be in the form of used car subscription service as well. So not only can you get a new Volvo for, let's say, $600, you can get a used Volvo for a little bit less, but under the same basic terms.
1: I can't get over the fact that this is just a lease. I'm sorry, man. But no, it's, it's more it's, than a lease.
0: It's great. I, <laughs> it's really good. All right. So th- this this first car, this XC40 in 2019, right, it's going to be available from Volvo. It's most likely going to be expanding to their, their other cars. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, the subscription service makes two versions of this car available, both premium models, heated front seats, steering wheels, you know, all this stuff. And, and so the $600 a month figures out to be about $7,200 a year, right? Yep. Plus the registration and tax. Let's say it's 800 bucks for an even eight grand. Okay. So just that's just to get us to round numbers. All right. So I, I try to keep my cost for owning a car to about $4,000 or less a year. So, so it might be a little bit out of my price range. However... I have a lease right now for my rogue at three hundred and fifty dollars a month. That's just to lease the car. Okay, so we're right now at a little over four thousand dollars just for the lease. Then I have insurance. Now that's coming out to about six hundred bucks a year. Okay, for the insurance, somewhere in there, because uh, I'm I'm pretty well. I'm, I don't have any crashes, and so I'm I'm easily insurable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's say we're at five thousand dollars right there. Uh, then I have to worry about the wear and tear and the overage on the miles and stuff because I have a 12,000 mile a, month, a year lease, and this one is 15, so I wouldn't have to worry about those extra miles as uh, much. Right. So right now I, I'm thinking, and then my Rogue obviously is nowhere near as, as luxurious as that Volvo. I mean, it's the Volvo is nice. I mean, it's, that's a nice that's a nice SUV. It to, to me this seems
1: like a real play for that millennial iPhone generation that wants to have the newest tech every year, right? Because Right. I mean, you're and that's
0: t- exactly where they're going.
1: You're taking a lease. You're simplifying it so that there's fewer payments. You're you're allegedly reducing the, the amount of fees that you're going to get hit with as a consumer. That's where I'm really skeptical. It always feels like these companies find a way to slide an extra $500 to $2,000 worth of fees in there somewhere. And that's, I, I, I mean, I don't see any way
0: around that. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. If this was down to, let's say, $500 a month, for that Volvo with all the same features, I'm in. Well, and what gets me, because I am part of that
1: millennial generation, is like, you tell me I can get the ne- the newest car on the market every year, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. And, and I don't have to worry about paying any sort anything
0: aside from one payment per month. Yeah. Because maintenance on these, I mean, the oil changes in my wife's old Audi, when we used to have a, a, a an older Audi, the oil changes were 75 bucks a piece. So- for these, you know, uh, Volvos, they, they, that's not going to be cheap. So the the maintenance plan is a pretty big deal with these cars, and and not having to pay insurance, especially if you're a younger driver, where your insurance, or you're in a city where your insurance might be a little bit higher, that's also a pretty big deal. Uh, if there's success
1: here and the prices do come down quite, and I think they could quite a bit. I mean, you could see it come down to a, a, a spot where they're competitive with actual leases, where right. you can get some of these cars for 150 dollars a month. You know, I think that. Could be something that's very popular and really attractive.
0: And what I'm really looking forward to is that when they start getting some of these cars back after a year or two, and they have all these extra cars laying around, and they don't, and they can't sell them, and they put them part of this program as instead of getting the new one, you can get one that only has fifteen or twenty thousand miles on it. I'm in.
1: Just, just like the iPhone, right? Because I
0: mean, it would, you would presumably think it's a couple hundred dollars less, but still a really good, well-made car. Uh, that still has uh, you know good service available that they're going to cover all that stuff, and so I would drive that for another two years. So I'd have a basically when I turn it in at worst a four year old Volvo that I'm turning in, and I paid a lot less for all of this uh, all the same stuff.
1: Well, and then it becomes the high part of the used car ownership market, right? So you go from. New new yearly rental to slightly new yearly rental to sold as a used car. Yeah. And that that's three very distinct phases of marketing that Volvo can take advantage of.
0: Exactly. So I I think it's smart and I I can see this going with Some of the other luxury brands, BMW, Audi, some of those other ones coming soon, and then maybe some of the uh, other automakers.
1: It's the domestics that you want to keep an eye on because this seems like it's tailor-made for a Ford or something like that to say, yeah, you can have a Mustang. You can have the new Mustang every single year for $200 a month.
0: Imagine if you could get, a, let's say, uh, all the GM cars where you could just, not just with Cadillac, I mean, you got all the GM models. So you're buying, let's say, a truck one time, and then you get a Corvette, and then you get the what I mean, you're just getting all these different GM models. Right. That'd be interesting. So I was reading this blog post from a website called The Adventurer. It was written by Hannah Carey and called Best Free Road Trip Apps for Traveling Across America. Now, Hannah is the writer for this travel blog, which she says aims to inspire people to try new things and see the adventure in the everyday. Now, Hannah writes... Earlier this year, on our road trip across America, I discovered several apps I'd never heard before. These apps became things we used every single day on our road trip. They helped us plan for our road trip, save money, make long drives, uh, days uh, like they were six hours on the highway from Florida through Alabama, Mississippi to Louisiana, a little more interesting, and found us free places to sleep. Basically, these road trip apps became some of the most used apps on my phone, even more than Instagram. So, one of the first is called iOverlander. She says that iOverlander was one of the road trip apps they use pretty much every day. It's a free app, helps road trippers find places to sleep. It's aimed primarily at campers or van, you know, the people who sleep People there. who live in vans, vans yeah. <laughs> right? So don't expect a list of hotels here, although there are some. What you'll find are campsites, informal campsites, places that you're allowed to stay, but they're not really set up as an official campsite, like a Walmart car park, because if you didn't know that um, I think it's an unwritten rule that any Walmart parking lot is available for um, RVs, RVs right mm-hmm. and campers to hang out because they know that that's their clientele and, and more than, than likely they're going to go into Walmart and buy buy a few things right. So they have other wild camping spots, some information on customs and border crossings and facilities such as waste dumping for those in the bigger camper vans and RVs and uh, showers available as well. Now, when using iOverlander, it's always a good idea, she says, to check out when the most recent check-in was, especially when you're heading to an informal campsite or a wild camping post to see when the last time somebody was there. If it's been a few years since someone was last reported to have been there, then take that in mind that the place might no longer exist. There are several other similar apps, such as RV Parky, but I Overlander, I guess, was the most reliable one for them.
1: I find this app sketchy. It seems like if I was a serial killer, you could just say, hey, come to this wild campsite. It hasn't been used in a couple of years, so it might not be all there. But just come check it out. Spend the night. Don't worry about what could happen to you here.
0: Or how about there's glowing reviews of this nice, isolated, remote place in the woods that Cell phones don't work. <laughs> it just so happens that cell phones don't work. It just and so happens. And they don't
1: see people after they been go There's been numerous, numerous here.
0: check-ins there. It seems safe. Let's go ahead and... Stay there. It's a lovely place. It's a lovely place. App number two, Gas Buddy, alongside iOverlander. We use Gas Buddy loads. Gas Buddy helps you find cheap fuel in the USA, Canada, and Australia. The prices are updated frequently and regularly. And with uh, as with iOverlander, make sure to see when the gas prices were last updated. We found that when a gas station's price hadn't been updated in over 24 hours, it probably wasn't the current price. Usually, the current price was a little higher. While the prices weren't accurate 100% of the time, we definitely saved a lot of money throughout the entire three-month road trip. By using this app, it helped direct us to gas stations we never would have known existed, so thank you, Gas Buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, I've used it.
1: I I would use it on a road trip. I don't know if I would use it just every day because it seems like it's a little tedious to go find... The place where I can save thirty cents on a full tank of gas.
0: When I was doing uh, gas stories more often, when the gas prices were you know in the high threes, four dollar range, I used to use Gas Buddy as a as a, as a reporting tool. Back when you heard the phrase "pain at the pump," a oh, yes. too often. <laughs> well, now now you're here, you hear that stuff all the time. It's horrible. all right. So Kindle. Since I didn't want to buy a load of books while we were living in our van, I used the Kindle app on my phone to read. I read so many books over the three months and really fell back in love with reading. When we, tried, uh, when we tired of the radio or a Spotify playlist, I'd open up the Kindle app and read, read one of the books I downloaded out loud so Tom, who was obviously driving at the time, could hear the story too. The app is free, so are hundreds of books. Ebooks are usually cheaper than paperbacks and paper books, so great budget travelers.
1: I don't know, man. I, I Maybe I'm old school. I just find the Kindle very difficult to pay attention to for long periods of time. Yeah. I think my ADD acts up more on a Kindle than it does when I'm sitting down
0: and reading a physical book. Yeah, I think the same way with a newspaper. Yep, same absolutely. Way. Uh, Google Maps. Who knows where you'll end up without Google Maps on a road trip? While not knowing where you'd end up is all part of the adventure, sometimes you can't afford to get lost. Well, I'd still recommend packing a good roadmap of the area you're road tripping, Google Maps will not only help you with directions, but is also a great way to find out where the best restaurant, shops, or other things are to do. I love using their Explore function to find cheap eats for dinner, even when we're not road tripping. I'll, yeah. I'll
1: co-sign that one, too. Yep. Although, Yelp works pretty well for finding cheap eats.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I go with that one, too. Uh, Discovery. Discovery is the app that Tom created while we were on a road trip across America. Who creates an app while they're on a road trip? Programmers. The app is great, they say, for road trips that solved the problem we came across of resorting to Starbucks and McDonald's for coffee when all we really wanted was a local coffee shop. Google sometimes shows us the local coffee shops, but not always. And you couldn't tell from Google Maps where that place was going to be good for maybe walking in or not. But you can with Discovery thanks to the built-in rating system. We might be biased, but we think it deserves to be up there with the list on this list of the best road trip apps. Shout out to
1: the lady who wrote a list of the best road trip apps so she could promote her husband's road trip app. <laughs> Excellent work.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, this is Hannah from The Adventurer who wrote this uh, list of some of the best road trip apps. How do
1: you spell Discovery, by the way?
0: Uh,
1: discover with two E's. Two e, okay, so not like Discovery Channel.
0: No, okay. not with a Y, but Discover E-E-E-E with two E's. 10-4. All right, so I exit... This is a road trip app that I found out about since we finished our road trip, but I thought it still deserved to be on the list. iExit lets you know what's at upcoming exits on the highway. You can see where the nearest exits are or search the next 100 exits for businesses such as Starbucks, Cracker Barrel, or KOA campgrounds and the amenities like Wi-Fi and truck parking. Who doesn't love stopping at a Cracker Barrel?
1: (laughs) My man, that was the first thing I thought of, too. It was like, how convenient is this that on a road trip I can know where to find the Cracker Barrel? Or a Bob Evans. I'll tell you what, those exit signs (laughs) on the highway are never updated, though, right? No, they're not. At least they don't tell you the relevant information that you need to know. So I think that app's a real
0: winner. Yep. Uh, uh, She says, I'd definitely be using it more uh, if I've been driving for what feels like forever and you're running low on gas for food. Spotify. Radio stations in the U.S. really aren't that great. Boy, is that an understatement. Unless you like country music, which thankfully I do. (laughs) And even when you do find one that plays music, there's only so many times you can hear the same song. We signed up to Spotify Premium so as not to use up all our data and used Wi-Fi to download a couple of new playlists every few days or so. This made drives fly by, and we kept our subscription for the shorter road trips we've been on in Canada. Are you a Spotify person? I am not. I have been on Spotify Premium for
1: like most of my adult life and it is fantastic i i hate i am a huge hater of people who put on their iphone playlist at a party and they don't pay for spotify premium and so you get two songs into it and then there's an advertisement and you can't request things spotify premium is the way to go if they would like to sponsor us and put our podcast on their platform I'd be more than happy to have
0: that conversation <laughs> yes we we sure would Please call us at, do we have phone numbers? I don't know. What's our 7777 There you go. 832 Ask for Joseph. <laughs> uh, and the last uh, app she puts down here is Money Lover. When you're on a road trip, it can be hard to keep track of your money. That's where Money Lover comes in. This free app allows you to set budgets and record every single transaction you make. I used Money Lover to stick to my daily budget of $35 a day. Well, that seems low for a road trip, or maybe not.
1: It does seem low. I think that's a lot of, like, peanut butter sandwiches.
0: It was also interesting to see how much we spent on fuel and, fu- and food while traveling. It's a road trip app you don't think you need, but will find super useful. So there you go. The list of the best free road trip apps for traveling across America by Hannah Kakeri uh, of That Adventurer blog. You know what would be a really fun
1: article? A road trip with no apps with just a radio station
0: disconnecting entirely but how can you drive through new mexico and not listen to uh the ktnn the navajo nation
1: i think that's a rhetorical question a.m so i will choose not to
0: answer it i i I (laughs) drove when i was driving through the navajo nation it was great you listen to the it was actually very very interesting and fun radio to listen to okay See, then you get you get local fl- – I like the local small radio stations when you have those people talking. I mean, not just playing, you know, rando music. I know, and the problem with those stations is that because they're so small, you can't really
1: – you don't always get them for very long when you're on a road trip. You only get to enjoy them for 10 or 15 minutes before you're out of range.
0: Yeah. Uh, the poor – the death of radio. It's really disappointing. It's true, but Very there will great. be
1: survivors. That that technology may be a dinosaur, but it's still walking the earth and there is still plenty of people who who uh, pay attention.
0: Well, yeah, there and there are and and you know what, if you get good radio there are a couple of good people doing radio and and they stand out because they are good, but that's it's few and far between. There's too much Well, But it gives you a platform,
1: and it gives you an opportunity to really jump off your social media presence. I think radio can be a good springboard to something bigger in this day and age.
0: Well, that's about all we have for – that's why we're doing the podcast, right? Amen, man. There you go. Uh, That's about it for this episode, number 53 of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Again, we're giving you our contact information at the end of the program. You can find me on Twitter,
1: (laughs) Joseph Denver Seven.
0: I'm at Denver7Traffic.
1: We're both on Instagram, too. I just use my name, Joseph Peters. He's Denver7Traffic.
0: Yeah, Denver7Traffic, and I just put up a really funny picture of a Channel 9 news truck getting towed away down Spear. It's quite humorous. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here. Until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm holiday travel expert and advocate Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.